You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I'm going to start this out. I don't have slides again for you this morning. I haven't, I've been reluctant to make slides because when I'm in a teaching, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. So I usually get things pretty well in order and it's fine for me to either put up the verses or, or bullet points or whatever. And it makes it easier for people to take notes and all, I get it. But right now I feel that makes it a little more difficult for me to jump off of something and go over here. I still do it, as you know. But right now, I feel so strongly that we need to just, we're working off of some statements that the Lord put in my heart a few weeks ago. And then just, I'm just, we're just going to go through some of the passages that the Lord's been birthing and just uh, just work with them. And I just trust that the Lord's going to impart things to you as we do that. So, Again, I titled this uh, Faith and Expectation. And uh, so so I'll just repeat these, just a few. I haven't even gone through. I've got a number of these statements the Lord made one morning, several weeks ago now, uh, during our Wednesday morning prayer. He just dropped these things in my heart and I sat down and made note of them. Uh, And we're just working with the first two or three right now. But so one of them was, We talked about this last week. He said, be content, but never satisfied to the point that you no longer hunger for more. And as Boyd brought up, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, and Paul talking about how he'd learned this kind of contentment that still hungers. This kind of, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied to the point where I'm going to sit back. And because there is no sitting back with God, there's always more. There's always more of him. There's more to know. There's more deeper intimacy. There's more connection. There's all of that. And there's more of his spirit to flow out of us. There's so much more. You know, again, I think of Jesus saying that we would do the works that he had done and greater works than these. And it's like, Lord, let's just get to doing the works you've done. Let's just see those. And then the greater works, awesome. But let's just get to that level right now. But we, so we talked through those verses last week. And then um, I'll read the rest of these to you. Never be satisfied with the status quo, the generally accepted level of what is possible or what the Lord is willing to do for you, in you, or through you. Never be satisfied with the generally accepted. Well, this is, this is the station that the church should hold. This is the station that believers hold. This is what, you know, I, I, that might be uh, we're saved, and that's a wonderful thing. We're bought with the blood of Christ, and we're going to heaven. And then we just kind of live until the end of our life. That's not all God has for us. That, you know, it, it could be any number of levels uh, that we have found in the Lord where we get kind of comfortable. You know, we get comfortable with moving in a certain amount of the spiritual gifts. Well, the Bible tells us to eagerly desire the best gifts. Again, it just speaks to there being a continual hunger and and not being willing to stop, never get satisfied with what we might look around, what our friends might think. Doesn't matter what people might think. Well, this is all Jesus has for us in this time. 
I don't think there's much of a limit on that. Um, and then he said, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. And anytime you set out to do something great in God, you will be told that it is impossible. And then he began to, to speak to me about faith and how it produces hunger for more. And that's where we're going. Uh, that's where we kind of went last week. And that's where we're going this week. We've been looking at these passages. Last week, I looked at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And it was uh, that story of the healing of the paralytic, where the people came and they brought their friend who was paralyzed. And, and they brought him. And there were so many people, they couldn't get into the house. They couldn't get him to Jesus. And they didn't stop. They insisted on getting him to Jesus. And they took him up on the roof and dug through the roof. That always impresses me. I was wondering. So afterwards, when everybody was celebrating and were really excited about that healing and, and took off, did anybody fix the roof? I was wondering, you know. But, but anyway, they would not be stopped. They had that kind of hunger and that kind of passion. They did whatever it took to get to this man and receive what Jesus had for them. And we talked about that last week and how faith, one of the things faith does is it produces this sense of expectation that, that is not an entitled expectation. It's not a presumptuous expectation. I, I just say this again. I, I know I told you this last week. When we, we talk a lot about come into service with expectation, come in expecting God to move in your life. Come in and there's something about that heart attitude when we all come together that draws on God. And, I, and we've got these two spiritual truths. One is Jesus already did everything that he ever needs to do. He, every spiritual blessing is ours now in Christ Jesus. All that he has for us is laid up in, in sort of, for lack of a better word, an account for us that we, we can receive by faith. It, all of this is laid up for us. So it's done. We come knowing that the victory is won. We sang this morning that, that the work is done. At the same time, God loves for us to come with expectation and draw on him. To, to come, and it's, that's not presumptuous. That's not so often. A lot of believers get really nervous right there and they, and they feel like, oh, well, you know, I just need just whatever the Lord's will is. Well, it's his will. He's made his will clear. It's his will that you be saved, that you be healed, that you know what your purpose is in him, that you be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you move in his gifts, that you have life and power and that you reach a part of the world. It's his will. He already wrote it down and signed it in blood, okay? So, we, so we're not being presumptuous. He wants us to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. He wants us to have encounters with him. He wants us to know his presence. He's already said it. So if we come expecting him to do what he's already said he would do, that's not presumptuous. So if you have that feeling rise up in you, if you get uncomfortable when people start to talk like this. I don't know how a nice pastor would say it, but I'm going to say, get over it. You know, we need, sometimes we just need to get over it. Okay. And we need to realize God has more for us than that and start to come with a sense of anticipation. So faith produces expectation toward God. It's confident 
It's persevering. It's not easily turned aside by obstacles or delay. So I just want to keep one of the things about that story with them taking the paralytic up on the road. It's one of the stories, and there are many of them, where it's clear that Jesus was impressed with people's faith and the way that that faith was demonstrated. And I, I mean, faith that impresses God is something we should want, okay? And again, we're not trying to manipulate him. We're not trying to, but it's obvious he was impressed with certain things. And so those are the, those are the passages that I'm wanting us to go through and just look at and just let them soak in. All right, so we're going to look first this morning at Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34. This is the woman. You all know this story. In fact, we'll back up a little bit. We'll start in verse 21. But this is the woman that came to him with the issue of blood. And most of us uh, know this story. I'm going to start in verse 21, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So he's going with Jairus, headed for Jairus's house. And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had, and so many of us can relate to this, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Some things never change, okay? And I, I love doctors. My dad was a doctor. But sometimes we suffer under the hands of doctors and spend all that we have and, uh, and don't get better because they only do what they can do, all right? But here she is. So for 12 years, she'd had this flow of blood in her body, which, again, I think most of you know this, but that means... Because of Jewish law, it was illegal for her to be out in the street. It was illegal for her to be out there because of this issue of blood. It was against the, the law, all right? And so she took a risk. I guess that's what I want to get to. She took a big risk in, in going out to pursue Jesus. And that's just another area. Faith moves us to take risks. And... And by that, I mean, you know, we talk about this idea. I love saying it this way. I think I got this from Bill Johnson. I don't know. But, you know, that in order to grow in moving in ministry and in the Holy Spirit toward people, we need to be willing to spend real quality time with God in private and then take risks in public. In other words, just like we just talked about, we prayed for some fresh boldness. We need to be able to go up to a person when we feel that nudge and that moving of the Holy Spirit. And it's not always a huge thing. It's just the Lord will, you know, call somebody to your attention. You will notice something and you can tell, you can sense your spirit is designed to sense the moving of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And, and that'll happen. And then we have a choice to make. 
And, and so we have to take a risk with our reputation or how we might feel, or am I going to have the right words? Am I going to, all those thoughts that come up. But there's this idea that even just in our pursuit of Jesus, in a culture that's pretty counter to all of that, we will be called over and over to take risks. We're not risking our lives at this point. But you know what I'm saying on the inside, why else are we hesitant? You know, why else uh, do we not step out on something like that? We're unsure of ourselves, whatever it is. And that's an area that, that lack of, you know, when we're unsure about ourselves in these situations. And Karen prayed this this morning. There are so many times where I've stepped out into something I've done what I thought the Lord was leading me to do. I came away knowing I could have done that a lot better. And, and you can either move from there, you can let the devil begin to condemn you about that, and you can move from there into feeling really bad about yourself, and I'm never going to do that again, you know, kind of idea. Or you can do just what you, you just pray. You say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I know I should have done more. You showed me something more. I didn't do it. Please give me another opportunity. Any will. You know, I, there's a good chance that God knew before he moved you to do something and before you did it, that you weren't going to do it 100%. I think there's a pretty good chance he anticipated that ahead. He's into training us. He really is. It's an amazing thing to me that he works with us the way he does. It's, it's just part of his nature that's like, I've asked him a lot of times, God, how do you put up with this, <laughs> dealing with us? And he loves it. So anyway, we've got to be, she took a big risk in going out and doing this. And it was her faith that moved her to do that. So she'd been sick for 12 years, suffered under the doctors. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. Now there are various, uh, the Amplified Bible there says, she had heard the reports concerning Jesus. And she came up behind him and touched his garment. I think... She may have heard Jesus was in the area, but that wouldn't mean anything if she hadn't heard reports about Jesus ahead of this. So, so one of the things here is the faith that she expresses came from, she didn't have a Bible, right? She was a woman in that culture. She didn't even have much access to, to the word that they had. Uh, the faith that she had was generated by hearing testimonies of other people. And I just wanted to stop here this morning and say, never minimize the testimony that you have. When God does something, even if it's small, last week there was, there was something that occurred during the service with, with, with uh, Bonnie and Logan, and, and, and we were praying over whatever it was we prayed over last week together. And they got together and they were lifting up their friend and, and they felt impressed to, uh, to lay their hands on, on the phone, you know, and, to, and then to carry her up and bring her before Jesus. They're thinking of that story the Holy Spirit put on their hearts, the story of the paralytic that we just talked about. This was before any of that happened in the service. The Lord had them right there 
their faith was engaged with that story of the paralytic being lowered through the roof and they acted this thing out as they prayed and lowered her through the roof. And then the Lord actually had me, I was going to start at a different place and he had me switch over and go to that story. Now that might not seem like a big deal, but just that little thing was a confirmation. And that's why they started squawking back there. That's why, that's why they were, you know, Logan was in tears and she just said, what's going on? She just said, God's so good. That kind of confirmation that comes, that's a testimony. Little things, we consider them little things that God does in our life or does through somebody else. They're testimonies. We need to write them down. We need to share them with people. This woman's faith that is pointed out in the Bible as great faith came from hearing testimonies. So I just, I want this to be a part of our culture that we share testimonies. It's, it's just so important. Never think that your story is no big deal, you know, because it is. Anything God does in your life is a big deal. So she came up behind him in this crowd. She touched his cloak and it says, the NIV says, because she thought, a lot of translations say, say this, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. The amplified there, and it's correct, in verse 28 says, for she kept saying, if only, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. She kept saying, the Greek there, the Greek language there speaks about an inward conversation, a continual, specific conversation that goes on within herself. So yes, she was thinking, if only I touch his garment, but this Faith generates these conversations in us. Faith is intimately connected to words. We know from Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing God speak. Where it says there that faith comes by hearing, and we know it's a continual present tense. You've probably heard this 10,000 times. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, and it never stops. Hearing presently, continually, what God is saying, okay? And if your brain right now goes to, well, I can't hear the Lord, yes, you can. Well, I can't, yes, you can. You're designed for it. You may have something to learn about figuring out how he speaks to you, but you can hear from God. He may speak to you in images. He may speak to you with words. He may speak to you with dreams. Uh, he may speak to you with impressions. He, he does that with all of us, I think. But whatever it is, when it is, it is that rhema word. That is the fresh spoken immediately out of God's heart word that he speaks to you. And, and the Bible tells us that's where faith comes from. It is generated in those moments that we have with God. And it is a combination of his word. It can happen when we're reading the Bible, but it's not just about the Bible. Yes, those are his words. But the Holy Spirit breathes fresh on those and releases that into your life and faith is generated. And we know from the scripture and from what Jesus said with his disciples, faith can grow stronger and faith can grow weaker. And that's why we need to be continually hearing from the Lord. 
you can have a place in your life that you were very strong and confident about, with God about for one area in your life and maybe five years ago and now he's been speaking to you about other things and this comes up and, wow, I'm not as confident as I used to be there. We need to go back and be refreshed in that area and let him speak to you again. And he will absolutely do it. We, we ask him to do it. But what we find is that so faith comes by hearing the spoken words of God. But then one of the things faith does is it generates a conversation on the inside of us. It agrees with the word of God. Faith will generate a conversation in your heart. And for this woman, it was, if I can just touch his garment. That was her point of contact for receiving, if I can just touch his garment. I believe the Spirit of God breathed that into her. Just touch his garment. Whatever it might be in you, when that begins to happen, pay attention to it. Speak it out loud. Immerse yourself in it. Let those thoughts that come from God run through you so that it's like a, it's like a generator. It's like a dynamo. It, it, it creates faith on the inside of you and then move with where that faith leads you. And that's what she did. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. It says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. All right, I believed, therefore I have spoken. And Paul goes on to say, with that same spirit of faith. He's talking about the spirit of faith. All right. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. All right. So what happened in this woman was a natural part of moving in faith and having faith working in you. It will, those, those thoughts and those words will begin to come up in you. There was a continual conversation going on in her, if I can just touch his garment. So what happened? Because of that, she was motivated to risk her life going out in public and push through this crowd. And you can just imagine, I mean, that, I don't know if, you know, most of us have been in a big crowd coming or going from someplace or whatever. I don't like it. <laughs> I do not like being in those, you know, where the whole crowd is moving and you better keep moving. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Put me up in the air on a wing, I'm fine. But put me in the middle of a herd of people that are moving a direction. And anyway, she went out there. Faith moved her to go out there and she caught hold of his garment. And it says immediately her bleeding stopped. It was a great miracle. She felt, she knew in her body she was freed from her suffering. In verse 30, it says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Uh, I, think, I think it was the Passion Translation here that says, the power that continually surged around him passed through him to a specific person. And he could sense that. He knew there was power on him all the time, but that power was released because of that woman's faith. She, and, and the Bible tells us that we access the grace of God by faith. Faith connects with God. It connects with God's power. It connects with God's grace and receives what he has. And this woman, so here it is again. I was talking a few minutes ago about coming into a service with anticipation, going into your prayer time with anticipation. 
This is very clear. It was this woman put a draw on what was in Jesus and it flowed out to her. I believe that happens, can happen every time we come to him. But there's an important part there. She put a draw. She allowed the faith that was in her. She did whatever it took and she allowed that faith to put a draw. And he knew it. You know, he knew that it went out from him. And he said, who touched my clothes? And, you know, the disciples, you know, you see people crowding against you. And, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. That word healed there is the Greek word sozo, which really means it's the same word we use. It's salvation, it's wholeness, it's completeness. So her body was healed, but it's interesting because he says, essentially he says, go into peace, move into a place of peace. Because she was in fear for a number of reasons. Go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your disease. All right, so what happened to her right there wasn't just momentary. It, it wasn't going to come back on her in a couple of weeks. She, she reached in there and she received by faith. And again, this faith impressed Jesus to the point where he spoke about it there. And then the Holy Spirit chose to have this written down for us. And that's an amazing thing to me. This woman's faith came from testimony, moved her into risk, moved her out to do whatever she needed to do, and it reached in, it took hold, and drew power out of Jesus. That's not just an isolated incident. That can be a part of our life, okay? All right, let's go over to Luke chapter 7. Let's see if we can go through one more. Luke chapter 7. Some other things I really want to get to this morning. So it's most of these stories, I think most of you are quite familiar with. This is the, the faith of the centurion. This is another one where Jesus was, says he was astonished by this guy's faith. Jesus was astonished by this guy's faith. Verse one, when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Now, I think it's Matthew records that the centurion went to him. Luke says that he sent somebody, whichever. In that culture, there was such, a, such an understanding of authority and authority structures that if you sent somebody, somebody uh, you know, came to you from the church, it was just as if Karen or I had come. Or, you know, if somebody came to you from any, any authority, it was just as if they'd come themselves. I mean, it was just their perception of the way authority works, which is the way authority works. But at any rate, um, so in Luke's gospel, it says that he sent these elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, notice this, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves... This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. So they came on the basis of the guy's works. Jesus later pointed to his faith. He didn't get to him and, and say, 
yeah, we're doing this for you because you built the synagogue and gave a lot of money and, you know, whatever the deal. He's been kind to us. That wasn't what moved Jesus. What Jesus pointed to was his faith. He was astonished by his faith. But it's interesting to me that they approached him on the basis of what he deserves. And we do that a lot of times. It's such a temptation sometimes in prayer. You know, it can be any number of things, but especially there are so many things we see that are so not right. It's not right for a young mother to have cancer. It's not right for people to die before it's time for them to go and be with the Lord. I mean, we can all think of them. You know, it's not right. And that's because a lot of things on planet Earth are not right. This is not the way God designed it to be. But anyway, so there's sometimes that temptation in prayer to bring the person's works before the Lord or their station or their, but you know what? Jesus died so that everybody could be healed. I don't think he's moved by a person's particular station. He's moved with compassion for all of, all of humanity and all of his people. So uh, he went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself, a man under authority with soldiers under me, I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. And the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So this guy, first of all, he, he called, and actually, does this come out? Yeah, it does. Uh, at least in Matthew's gospel, he calls Jesus Lord twice. This is a Roman centurion, a Gentile, person who grew up under knowing about the Roman gods, not about the God of Israel. He's been in Israel. He's obviously helped him build the synagogue. And, you know, he obviously took hold of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nevertheless, he's a Gentile. He's outside of the covenant. Uh, there he is. And he calls Jesus Lord twice. And that word Lord means Lord, Master, Supreme Ruler. It's used to describe the owner or master of a property or household. It's a person who is the master of something who held absolute power over it. Okay, this is not something a Roman centurion would call any Jew, regardless of their station uh, in Israel. <clears throat> he knew, and it's really important, he called Jesus Lord. He knew that Jesus had the power and the authority over that sickness. And, you know, power is ability. Authority is the right to do something. All right, and Jesus had both, and this guy recognized it. He had power and authority, and he also understood that, uh, that power is released through authority. It is, it is released through someone having the right to exercise that power. And he saw both of those things in Jesus, and to the extent that he said, all you're going to have to do is say the word, and this thing has to go. And that kind of faith astonished Jesus. I think especially to find it outside of Israel. That's what he said. And, and it, it astonished him. And he said, you know, it, it will be done. They went back 
and uh, the guy had been healed at that at that same hour when this conversation uh, took place. So here's this guy, and I just kind of want to head off on this for the last few minutes here. Here's this man who, uh, again, he was a Gentile, and he was surrounded by a community that had a lot more access to the word of God than he did, and yet did not have his level of faith. Okay, he was surrounded by people who had access to Torah. They had access to the festivals. They had access to all these things he didn't have access to. And yet, Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this, even in Israel. Okay, so why is that? And that tells me a couple of things. One is, just having a Bible does not build faith. Just being in a community of believers, it, it, can, it can help. Okay. But just being in a community or a religious community, that doesn't create faith. Faith comes, again, by interaction with God and his word. It comes through intimacy. It comes through those times with him, through those encounters with him. And that's the only thing that, that creates faith. And these, um, Jesus told us over Mark chapter 4, you can go there if you like. We, probably, we obviously will not get beyond this passage today. Mark chapter 4. Um, verse, I'm going to start in verse 23. Jesus told us to be careful about, to pay attention to what we are hearing and how we are hearing. In other words, what we're going to do with what we're hearing. Because faith comes from hearing what God is saying. All right. And so in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 23, and this is from the Amplified Bible, Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Those two things are, are intimately combined. Hear and obey, hear and heed. Hear when we're hearing what God is saying. We, we've got to, it's how we approach the word. It's how we approach our time with the Lord. If we want to grow in faith and grow in walking with him, We've got to come to that moment already determined that, Lord, whatever you say, I will do or apply. It goes on here. It says, then he said to them, this is Mark 4, 23, 24, right in there in the Amplified Bible. Pay attention to what you hear. What that means, that, that phrase, pay attention, some of your translations say, be careful. It means to use great care in deciding what you will listen to and what you will do with it. Okay, we see back in Proverbs chapter four where it tells us to guard our hearts, tells us to uh, submit and consent to God's word because they are life to those who find them. Are you listening to me? I know it's getting late. They are, the word of God is life to those who find them. That little word find means to come across something new. It means to discover something. It's this picture of being on this continual path of discovery with the Lord as he brings revelation to us from his word. We can only walk in or do by the spirit with any anointing, with any power, what we have revelation of. We have to have the Lord opening his word to us 
and revealing his word to us in our hearts so that revelation comes. With revelation comes faith, comes hope, comes this perseverance we're talking about, comes all of these things. As the Lord opens that word to us and breathes that word into us, we can move on that. But if, but we can move on that with anointing. We can move on that with power. We can move on that in the spirit. But if it's just something we come to and we know the Bible says it, but it's not become a part of us, we can set out to obey it and that's fine. But the power and the life isn't there. It's very hard to come to somebody else and deliver something to them. It's hard to pray for somebody's healing if you have no revelation of God as the healer. You know, it's, it's, we need to have revelation to move in. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, you know, if you got ears to hear, that's a good thing, okay? Let him choose, let him hear and heed my words. Pay attention to what you hear. He says, by your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you. All right, so he's saying what you come to it with, the heart attitude you come to your times with the Lord with, that's going to determine how much you receive in the first place. It's going to be measured to you by your willingness to pour yourself into it and apply it. All right, so I'm not just here out of obligation. I'm just, I'm, whatever I'm hearing, Lord, I'm going to apply. Show me how to apply it. Walk with me to apply it, right? It's that attitude. And it says, it will be measured to you. In other words, it will come to you according to that hard attitude and you will be given even greater ability to respond. More will be given to you besides. So when we come with that hard attitude, it's measured, it's poured out to us according to our hunger, we could say. But also with that, it's not just an equal measure. He gives us more. He gives us <clears throat> a greater ability to respond to what he's saying. Does this make sense to you? This is an important passage. And, and he says, for whoever has a teachable heart, to him will more understanding be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for truth, <clears throat> excuse me, even what he has will be taken away from him. It's not God that takes it away. The devil will steal it from you if we don't come with a yearning for truth. All right. So <clears throat> the point here is that centurion was surrounded by people that lived in a religious culture. And they lived in, it was part of their culture. It was their laws. It was their society. It was everything. And yet this guy stood out to Jesus. He had done something different in his heart. There's no question about it. And Jesus was astonished by his faith. We're just going to leave it right there. And uh, I, I just pray that this will soak in, that there will be specifics from this. Let's just pray together. Father, this is your word, Lord. This is your word. Boy, I got to have some water. <clears throat> I have a centipede in my throat or something. Feels like a centipede. Pretty sure. Oh. <clears throat> Why don't we go ahead and stand up this morning? Lord, these are your words. And Father, we come to them. We come to this word. We come to this 
time with you, Lord, as we've already prayed to receive. And Father, I just believe, we believe together for one another, that there is an anointing upon your word to bring transformation to us. Lord, we want to go about our lives with great expectation of what you will do in our everyday life. Lord, help us this week to not get out there in our jobs, in our busyness, in our recreation, whatever, and kind of forget that we have a purpose. Lord, that there, there are people there that you are bringing across our path. And, and what, what you have for us to give them might be the smallest thing, but Lord, we value it highly because we know your word is like seed. It is full of life. It is full of power. The gospel is full of power to bring transformation to lives. And so, Lord, we just offer these vessels to you today. Lord, use us this week. Use this word, Lord, to transform us, to take us deeper, to increase faith in us. And Lord, we go out. I just, I just, I don't know how else to say it. I just pray for our expectation of what you can and will do in and through us to be increased as we go out. Holy Spirit, help us to be aware of the people around us, the opportunity around us. And then Lord, I just, I thank you for the boldness that you are working in us, Father, to deliver you to people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Centipede is still in there. I hate centipedes. All right, we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. And uh, there's some great goodies out there. Hope everybody will stay around. Build yourself up in some good fellowship. Okay, so let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and we'll be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.